Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network, the Authors on Fire podcast. I am Pat Rulo with a Firebird Book Award winning author to share with you today, Hope Gibbs, and her book is titled Where the Grass Grows Blue. And this book swept the categories Summer Beach Read, New Fiction for a Debut Novel, Romance, Southern Fiction, and Women's Fiction. A little bit about Hope, she grew up in rural Scottsville, Kentucky. As the daughter of an English teacher, she was raised to value the importance of good storytelling from an early age, and today she's an avid reader of women's fiction. Drawn to multi-generational family sagas, relationship issues, and the complexities of being a woman, she translates those themes into her own writing. She lives in Tennessee with her husband and her persnickety shih tzu, Harley. She is also the mother of five. And in her downtime, she loves playing tennis, singing karaoke, and curling up on her favorite chair with a book. She has a BA from Western Kentucky University and is a member of the Women's Fiction Writers Association, Women's National Book Association, a tour guide for Bookish Road Trip, and the co-host of Authors Talking Bookish podcast. I've been so looking forward to this conversation, so welcome to the Network Hope. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure, and congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. Oh, that was such an exciting. It was it was so thrilling to to get that email, and um, and thank you so much for giving me that opportunity. Well, thank you for taking it, and I do want to just share briefly what I call our daisy chain of events here, because I just thought it was so special. This was in the summer beach read. That was one of the categories that you won in. Every summer, that this quarter in the summertime, we give away a big inflatable pool and a pump. And this year it was sponsored by the OK Boomer podcast. And when you won the pool, you so kindly offered to donate it to one of the charitable organizations that we work with on our pillowcase project, and that is Enchanted Makeovers. And they help to renovate shelters so that they are beautiful places to to live and to heal. And so when you agreed to do that, I contacted uh, Terry Grail at Enchanted Makeovers, and they are going to auction this pool off. And she's planning on um, on auctioning it for quite a bit of money, a lot more than it than it sells for. So I'm just so warmed and blessed by you to to say that yes, let's forward this on to charity. So. Thank you for being part of that daisy chain of events. Well, it was my pleasure, and I am thrilled that it's going to go to good use. Thank you. It will. It, it truly, truly will. All righty, my friend, let's get down to this book, Where the Grass Grows Blue. Maybe just share a little bit about the storyline, and then we'll we'll delve a little deeper into it. Okay, perfect. Well, Where the Grass Grows Blue is one woman's journey to either accept her past by embracing the power of forgiveness or with losing a second chance at love in a small Kentucky town. And when you first meet my uh, protagonist, uh, Penny Crenshaw, uh, you think she has it all. She's living in Atlanta with her husband and children. And um, then she discovers by accident um, that her husband is having an affair. And within a course of a week, uh, her husband leaves her, files for divorce, and her beloved grandmother back in her home state of Kentucky uh, passes away, leaving Penny her home. Um, so then you're going to fast forward a year, and the home is just sitting there, and some circumstances have allowed her to be free from her children for a little while, and her friends in Atlanta encourage her to go back to Kentucky and just finally be done with it because uh, she's had a kind of a hard childhood, and 
she has a lot of uh, a lot of scars from her past, but they're not all just from her family. Um, one of her greatest sources of pain uh, still lives in this small town of Camden, Kentucky, and his name is Bradley Hitchens. And he was her best friend, uh, childhood uh, keeper of her darkest secrets, but he also shattered her heart. So you're going to be with Penny in this journey of trying to come to terms with some of her own issues and her past, um, but she really has to embrace forgiveness or she's going to risk losing a second chance. Oh, my. You know, you were writing in two different kind of time periods or two different settings here. How was that to uh, juggle? For me, it was it was kind of easy because it is set in a timeline that I understood. I, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s, and, and that's where this story takes place. Um, but I thought it was really important to, you know, give the readers insights into why Penny is the way she is. I mean, she's not a I don't I don't particularly like a perfect protagonist, a main character. You know, your main character, I, I feel more connected if they have flaws. And um, for me to be able to show the writer instead of telling, the, you know, to show, to show the reader, I'm sorry, instead of telling the reader, I, I kind of gave the reader insights into Penny's life through those flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And where did these characters come from? Based on anyone or were these from your imagination? Well, the funny thing is, I didn't start out to write a book. Um, a few years ago, uh, I'm a mother of five, and I had been a stay-at-home mother for two decades. And I started doing the math and realized that, you know, I'm going to be an empty nester, you know, in early 50s. And so I started journaling. And because uh, a friend had said, you know, why don't you just start, you know, figuring out what you want to do? And that lasted a week. I hated it. <laughs> and so before I knew it, I was starting to create this character that ended up becoming my main character, Penny Crenshaw. And little by little, I started creating some side characters and some scenes and I really didn't know what I I was doing until one day I was sitting at church and our minister mentioned the name Bob Dylan. And you don't normally hear Bob Dylan from the pulpit. And I you know, kind of sat up a little straighter and he mentioned a song called Tangled Up in Blue. And I felt like I had just been hit by lightning because I was like, that that's, that's where my book is going. This woman is tangled up in blue in multiple ways. And I just started writing from there. And of course, I, you know, I've used people from my past, you know, just some ideas, um, but they're all fictional characters. That's so interesting that that phrase hit you. It's fascinating that that is was the catalyst. For a while, that was the name of my book. I sold my book to my publisher uh, when I signed my contract as Tangled Up in Blue. And it wasn't until last summer when I was in content edits and you know, content edits are, you know, hard enough that they called and said, you know, we were looking to, to get your uh, your audio book with Blackstone, but they said you need to change your title. And I was, you know, all, you know, up and, oh, you, I can't change this title. This this title means so much to me. Um, but in hindsight, I am much happier with where the grass grows blue because you can use song titles as a as a book. But it, it kind of gets lost when people are trying to find your book. And so um, Where the Grass Grows Blue is a much, I think, a better title for my book. But, yes, Tangled Up in Blue, that that title just hit me in, a, in an interesting way that I knew that this was Penny's story. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Where the Grass Grows Blue, then you've got Kentucky Bluegrass, and that kind of all ties together. And that is exactly because, uh, you know, when I'm, I'm searching for a new title, I was asking everyone under the sun what their opinion. And 
I had some people say, oh, just get rid of blue. That's what's tripping you up. And I'm like, no, no, blue is so important to this story. And so it took me about two weeks and I kept, you know, just coming up with anything with blue. And then it hit me, you know, Kentucky is the bluegrass state. Mm-hmm. And no, it's not actually blue. I will tell you that. Yes. Um, as a child, I was disappointed when my parents pointed out bluegrass and it wasn't in fact <laughs> blue. Um, but that it just hit me, you know, cause that we're known as the bluegrass state. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's how I came up with the title. And, and when I was coming up with it, I reached out to my content editor at the time and she said, I have no idea what that means, but I love it. And she had read my book. And so she did not realize that Kentucky was known as the bluegrass state. And so, uh, that I'm, I'm very thankful that I did change that title. Oh my, I love that. I love that. And along with the title, I'd have to say that your cover does a whole lot for just the marketing of your book. That cover is so attractive in so many ways that I can't even explain. Thank you. I I absolutely love the cover. Uh, Red Adept, they did a great job with it. They, you know, I didn't get complete control, but I told them, you know, the things that I, I, I wanted to see on it. And the hydrangeas were just so important because they're, they're, they're in the story. They're not, this isn't just some random, um, I just put flowers on the, the cover mm-hmm. and they, they did a great job with it. I, w- I was very pleased with how they did this because flowers are very important to the story, not just blue hydrangea. And I also just love that you found that blue hydrangea or kind of purpley hydrangea dress and then you take, <laughs> take the photo with you in your book. It is just so sweet and special. I love it. You know, I don't know if it's just this season or I haven't paid attention to hydrangeas in the past, but I feel like that there's blue hydrangeas everywhere <laughs> this year. Um, and it's been great for me marketing wise when, you know, when I, I send out, you know, giveaways or, you know, little gifts to book clubs because I, I do book clubs virtually and I do them in person and I can just go up to the local stores and I can find, you know, hydrangea uh, note cards and bag tags. And so that's been great. And then I found that, that dress here in Nashville at Draper James of all places. And I'm a very petite woman. I'm, I'm barely five feet tall and I always have to get things hemmed and it fit me perfectly. And so I, I talked to a friend and said, I think I need to do some new headshots with this, with this dress. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, it's so perfect. That's amazing that the dress fit too. That's just so cool. Meant to be. Meant to be. Speaking of finding all your hydrangea goodies, um, I do have to mention that you, you posted on, I don't know if it was Twitter or Instagram, maybe it was Instagram, um, your giveaway bag was just so lovely and it included your book and all the, the hydrangea note cards. It was just so well done. Thank you. I, it's, that is actually still going on right now. Um, it's up until I think I think it's, it closes Wednesday or not Wednesday. I think maybe Thursday. People still have a chance. They can just go on my Instagram page and, and, you know, like the page and, and comment and you get a chance to win. I randomly will select someone because I'm trying to do a giveaway uh, about once a month because I, I know I love a giveaway. Yep. Um, so I, I enjoy putting those together. It also has, um, a $25 gift card to Barnes and Noble because I just did my, first in-person book signing uh, in one in Kentucky this weekend. And it has kettle corn, which is kind of pivotal to the story. When you, <laughs> If you've read the book, you'll know that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I enjoy doing that. I, I enjoy, and it's a great way to meet people on Instagram because I'm pretty active over on Instagram, even more so than, 
than Twitter and, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yes, me too. I've kind of found a home with Instagram. It's fun. And the people that you meet, it's almost like creating a little family. It is. It is. That, that has been one of the, the, the fun parts of, of this journey because when I, when I was writing my book and when I was querying it and, and all of that, I didn't have a website or an Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or anything related to writing. I had personal things and it was all about my, my children and, and their accomplishments. But it was really important that I separated my personal Instagram and Facebook and set up author accounts. And that was one of the things. I mean, I started out with zero followers because I, I didn't really know, you know, what I was going to do. But then I found the Bookstagram community and other authors. And I have to say, authors are some of the most generous, um, and, and writers in general. They're some of the most generous, wonderful people because they, they want to help you succeed. They mm-hmm. offer advice. Um, they're always, you know, helping you with your, your book and ideas. And, and that's been a, a great part is just connecting with people over on Instagram. I agree. I agree with you about authors. It is, is really a fine community of people. You know, it's a difficult road to be an author and it's lonely and you're putting yourself out there and not knowing what's going to come back. And it's some, for many people, it's all new to them. So I think everybody's kind of gone through the, the light trauma of it all. So they, they feel inclined to help fellow authors. Yeah, absolutely. And I wrote my book kind of in my own little bubble. Mm-hmm. I did not have a critique partner. At that point, I, I did not know another writer. And I kept it very secretive because I didn't know what I was going to do. And, and to be honest with you, I really didn't think it would ever see the light of day. It wasn't until I started querying it that I joined the WFWA, which is the Women's Fiction Writers Association. And I really started meeting that community and found, I mean, that was a wonderful resource. And it just kind of led to one thing to another. And I met several writers here in Nashville that I never would have connected with if it wasn't for that organization. And now I have like a whole new circle of friends that, And some of them are dear friends that I haven't met in person, but I talk to them all the time. And uh, one, I even started a podcast with, and we podcast together, even though we've never physically, you know, met in person other than, you know, through StreamYard or Zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been a a great, that's been a great, um, it's been something I never thought in a million years would happen. And it's, it's been a blessing. I get that. I get that. Let's talk about that. Since you mentioned your uh, podcast, Authors Talking Bookish Podcast. So how did that form? So I met Donna. Her name is Donna Norman Carbone, and she is also a debut author uh, with Red Adept. That's my publisher. And her book came out uh, three weeks after mine. And it's called All That is Sacred. It is a beautiful book. And we signed our contracts at Red Adept within two weeks of each other. And with our publisher, you get a mentor and you, you know, you have a private Facebook group that you can ask questions. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of things that I had no clue. You know, I signed a book contract that I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and she reached out to me and we just formed this, this friendship. And if she saw something that was getting ready to come my way, she would give me a heads up and vice versa. And then we both um, became Bookish Road Trip. Uh, that's a, a Facebook group, um, Bookish Road Trip Tour Guides. And so then later on, a, a few months after we, we joined Bookish Road Trip, she came up with the idea of the podcast. And so she's really the, the driving force with it. Um, I'm more of her sidekick on that. Uh, 
but it's been wonderful. We've already recorded six episodes and we have our, our whole year lined up. So it's, it's, that's another thing. A year ago, if you told me I would be hosting a podcast, I would never believe it. <laughs> or if I was a tour guide for Book a Show Trip and it's, we have over 5,000 members and I once a month interview an author live on Facebook. And that would be another thing I never thought I would be doing. That's so amazing how just a little something just changes the whole trajectory of your life. It it really did. And and again, the the writing of the book, you know, there's that that was one thing. I never thought it would lead to all of these new opportunities. And you know, again, after being a stay-at-home mother and I loved it and I was, you know, it was my pleasure to be with my children. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, but now that I'm in my fifties, it's, it's a whole new world because before it was my children and it was their activities and, and, you know, trying to, to create the home for them. And, you know, I played competitive tennis on the side. Uh, but this has just added a, a new layer to my life. You know, Hope, this, this takes me to the thought and the question. So many people want to write and have ideas and then maybe back off because they think, well, gee, I, I, I I'm not trained in writing. Um, I haven't studied it. But yet, that's not a requirement. No, it is not. I mean, my mother was an English teacher, and um, she also, she was a writer. Um, she went to Western Kentucky University. She got her master's in writing, and she was a, a writing specialist. And she would go to uh, summer seminars at Western, and, and she really was passionate about it. But I, that was not me. Mm-hmm. I never uh, in a million years thought I would end up writing a book. Uh, as a child, I dreamed about being a writer for a soap opera, but that was about it. Um, I graduated with a degree in uh, communications and marketing. Um, so, but for me, I, I start, when I started writing, I, of course, did all the wrong things because when I finished my first draft, I had 120,000 words, <laughs> a lot of telling and not showing. Mm-hmm. So then I went back in and I, I read books on craft and, you know, I got the emotional thesaurus, which is one of the greatest books ever, um, read, you know, showing, not telling, went through every podcast, every um, article I could, and I figured it out. And I truly believe if, if this is something you're passionate about, just do it. You know, you're, you're never going to know unless you try. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy. I mean, I've gone through so many drafts of this book. I mean, I went from 120,000 words down to 94 while I added. You know, it's amazing that the, you know, the things that you don't know when you're writing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can, people can do this. I, I truly firmly believe if you're passionate about your story and I was passionate about Penny's story, it can be told. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Yes, I just wanted to leave that little bit of inspiration because I think a lot of people hold back and think, well, I'm not as good as so-and-so or this person or these people and I don't have the training. Yeah, it's something you can learn. And I think the first step is just get it out of you and get it on paper and then worry about it. Yes, and everyone writes differently. I'm, you know, I'm almost finished with my second book and, and that experience has been so different compared to my first book because not that I know everything, I'm far from it, but I now know the, the rules a little bit better. I know that, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're not in that point of view. You can't write that, you know, 
little things like that. But if if you're if you're interested, I say just get it out there mm-hmm. um, because you can't edit something. You can't edit a blank piece of paper. Um, and and no one's first draft. I don't care who you are. It's not perfect. It's not great. Um, that's where editing comes from. And you know, content editing, line editing. Um, those that's what makes your book shine. Absolutely. Thank you, Hope. So you said you you're working on your second book. Any relation to the first book or something completely different? It's different. My All of my books, because I have the third book plotted out. And so my goal for the third book is to have just the, the first draft, hopefully by the, the beginning of next year. Um, I write books with, you know, women protagonists, uh, and they're always going to be set in the South. I live in Tennessee now. I'm originally from Kentucky. Um, but no, so the second book is a, a group of women and they're trying to piece together their friend. Um, she has passed away and they're trying to figure out if she's really the woman they thought she was. Um, so it takes place here in Nashville. Uh, and then my third book, uh, is going to be a book about tennis. <laughs> and it's, I, I call it kind of like a Alabama sorority rush meets the tennis world. <laughs> so it's going to be a, a little bit more of a caddy kind of thing. And then my fourth book, I want to go back to Kentucky. Oh, my gosh. I love this. You have this all planned out. Are you going to miss Penny and Bradley? I do miss Penny and Bradley. <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I think I developed a little bit of a literary crush on Bradley when I was writing him <laughs> um, because I just I love their story. And I've had a lot of people say, you know, do you want to pick up where the book left off? And I'm like, I I think that I left it. I left it just perfect for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do listen to my, uh, my, I, I created a soundtrack for my book when I was writing it and the books that inspired them. And so sometimes if I, if I miss them, I'll, I'll put that up on my phone and I'll, I'll listen to their, to their songs. And I knew that they're still with you. I like the idea of a literary crush. No one has ever said that before. Yeah. I, and, and I didn't make Bradley perfect. As you know, he, you know, he's not a perfect man, but he's he's a good guy. <laughs> oh, that makes me happy. What do your children think of your book and your writing? Well, I have uh, four boys and a daughter, and only my daughter has read the book because, again, I, I have most, most young men in their 20s are not yes. going to probably be rushing out to buy my book, although I would love for them to. <laughs> uh, but I think it's been, it's, I think for them, it's, it's new for them because I'm no longer just, the woman who cooks, cleans, drives them around, goes to all other games. And um, my daughter read it, and, and she, she's been very excited about it. And, and she's helped me with TikTok because that's one of the, that's one of the social medias I, I'm trying to still figure out. And, and she, she's been my biggest supporter and cheerleader and her friends, which is kind of fun. They read, and they're reading my book. And that's that's a whole other world because, you know, I, I've known these children since they were, you know, in you know first grade. And, and it's kind of, it's neat that they're reading my book. That's good. And, and the boys will probably pick it up at some point in time. You're right. They're too young right now to be thinking about that. But uh, yeah. I, I bet in time yeah. they, they will. Well, and for years, they at first when I was writing, because I would write after dinner and when their homework was done, they thought I was writing a cookbook. Um, and I never let them think anything differently. But um, so, yeah, it, it was quite a surprise to them when they figured out that I was writing a, a, a fiction novel. Really? Well, for me at that time, it was easier because I really didn't believe in myself because okay. I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so if, you know, my little writing experiment failed, 
um, they would be none the wiser uh, because they, they really thought I was writing a cookbook because I do cook a lot. And uh, so they, they thought, oh, yeah, she's just writing a cookbook. Oh, my gosh. You do cook a lot. I've seen some of your uh, – is there a trifle at one time? Yes, I just uh so in in the book food plays an important role as well and in, there's a scene in it that uh you know when Penny goes back to this small town church is very important in the small town and they throw her a potluck in her honor which you know at first she is just cringing about because she doesn't want to be the center of attention but then when she gets down there and she sees all these this food that has been made for her from scratch and you know the the food in the south is yes. you know I'm I'm partial but I think it's it's incredible um so I write about this one dessert and it's a bourbon uh uh it's a trifle mm-hmm. with bourbon in it and so I made it for Instagram and and shared the recipe on my blog and so uh after every blog at the end I share a recipe from uh where the grass grows blue oh my gosh yeah I saw that one I saw that too and I I agree with you about the south my husband is from Tennessee. And so we spent a lot of time. We had a place in Tennessee for a long time and, and had a lot of friends in Nashville, spent a lot of time at Opryland ah. doing some work in the music industry. So that whole area is just very close to my heart. And you're right, the food, the people, everything. And you get that feel in your book as well. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why I gravitated toward it. Well, thank you. And I, when you said Opryland, it just gave me such nostalgia. I grew up going to Opryland as a child, and when they closed it, it was just devastating. Yes. Yes. We used to go backstage, uh, Grandpa Jones, and I met him, and just so much fun, and I miss it. Yes, I do too. Yeah. It, I, Nashville is definitely a music city, USA. For sure. For sure. It's a very close knit group of performers and artists as well. Yes, it is. And and Nashville, I like to tell everyone, is uh, it, it may be a big city, but deep down, it's a small town. It is. So, um, so yeah, it's it's. I I love living because I I do live here in Nashville area, and uh, I I love I love it, even though Kentucky will always be my home. No, I get that, but as you say, you're from a small town in Kentucky, but you do have that small town feel in Nashville, as you said, even though it's a big city. Yes. Yep. yep, yep. All righty. Well, um, so we know what's next. You're working on your next books. Anything we missed that you wanted to highlight today? You know, I, I am just thrilled with, with the opportunity to be able to speak with you today. And I, you know, I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> we did. So why don't you then share any contact information where folks can find out more about you and get copies of your books? Well, you can get copies of my book um, online at any retailer, you know, Amazon, uh, you know, Barnes & Noble, all of those. And, and I have links to all of those on my website. And my website is uh, www.authorhopegibbs.com. And there you can go on my blog. You can, you know, you can go to my Goodread page to see, you know, what I'm reading because I read a lot of books as well and, and I, you know, review as well, because all authors, the, one of the most important thing you can do for an author is review their book, even if it's just one word or, or you know, a rating, because that really helps uh, authors. Uh, and I'm on Instagram. I'm author Hope Gibbs. Uh, Facebook, I'm author Hope Gibbs. Um, so I would, you know, love anyone to follow me and, and I'll follow you back and uh, we can connect. Absolutely. AuthorHopeGibbs.com, the winning book, Where the Grass Grows Blue. 
Hope, I was so looking forward to this conversation today, as I told you prior to um, to going on air here, is I kind of feel like I know you just from following you on Instagram. So this has just been so neat to be able to actually speak with you. Keep writing, keep sharing with us, and I just look forward to so much more from you. Author, HopeGibbs.com. Thank you, Hope. Thank you.